0: Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, hello everyone and welcome to March Madness. We'd like to welcome you wherever you are and whoever you're listening to the Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. And Ernie, it is March Madness. Yes, the brackets it is. have just been released, and we've spent all of about half an hour pounding through this, and we have who we think will be cutting down the nets. We'll also be talking a little bit about Dak Prescott. We can't go without mentioning the signing finally happening after three weeks. We'll get into that a little bit later, but there's no doubt what the top story, what the thing that we need to discuss, it is March Madness, Ernie. How excited are you?
1: Uh, it's going to be very interesting, especially with the college landscape being it is uh, how it is this year. Very, very, I think
0: madness will be the operative word for this year's tournament. I mean, it really could be. For the first time ever, you have the entire field all gonna be played in one city. The entire tournament will be played in Indianapolis. That's gonna be something that's different, but that kinda negates some of the benefits of playing the first two rounds at home, like you typically have with your one and two seeds, getting to play close to their home. But uh, it neutralizes everything. You know, Indiana's not in the tournament, Butler's not in the tournament, the two teams that come from Indiana, in the Indianapolis area, so there are no home court advantages. It's going to be the best team win.
1: Yeah. And uh, you, you, you mentioned those two teams, Duke and Kentucky, are not in the tournament.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> weird to have a, a bracket. I mean, still considering our show two weeks ago where there's 61 NBA players coming from Duke and Kentucky, to have both of them not even in the tournament is just, it really is. It, it's, it's a shocking development, it but is, it's not yeah. surprising. I mean, Kentucky had a terrible year. Uh, and Duke, you know, with a 12-11 and 11 record and COVID having to drop out of the ACC tournament. They didn't deserve to be here, but it's just weird not having any of those blue and white teams in there. Exactly. All right, so let's jump right into it. So let's start with the number one overall seed. We're going to go out west with the Gonzaga Bulldogs, 26-0, and 0, the number one overall seed. Ernie, tell me what you're thinking about the west. The west?
1: I mean, I, I, you got to like Gonzaga. You got to like Gonzaga. I don't know if they're going to make it to the final four, but they're going to be a tough haul. My concern with that particular team is, uh, and we spoke a little bit off the air, and, uh, you know, we differ in opinions in regards to this. I'm just looking back at uh, uh, their team two years ago in regards when they had uh, Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark. And I try to see if this team will match up. You you definitely like Suggs, you know, on top of that. I think it's a lower quality team uh, than that uh 2019, 2020 version of the Gonzaga uh, Bulldogs, but they are a formidable team. They are solid. Their top five is solid.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the only concern that I really have with the Gonzaga Bulldogs is that they don't go very deep. So it's going to be imperative that they stay out of foul trouble, but... Yeah, I mean, you're right. Two years ago, that team that was expected that went into the tournament as the number one uh, overall team. I think the difference between this team and the reason why I'm so high on this year's team versus that team was like with Rui and Brandon Clark, they play down low. They're mm-hmm. forwards. They don't have the ability to control the offense. You have uh, Perkins back then who would be hot, be cold, make some turnovers and do make some mistakes. I think the difference this year is the best recruit in Gonzaga history, Jalen Suggs, a top five lottery pick in the NBA draft this year. Not only him, but he has the ability to take over a game like he did in the West Coast Conference Championship game at the end. Down 14 at halftime to BYU. Mm -hmm. He really put them on his shoulders down the stretch, winning that. But not only do we have him, you have Corey Kispert, who's a first-team All-American and a number-seventh-ranked NBA prospect. And then you have Drew Timmy, who I believe, of all the big men in the entire country, has the best footwork. You have three of the top ten players in the country, three possible first-team All-Americans or at least first two-team All-Americans in Timmy Kispert and Suggs. The key is can they stay out of foul trouble because they go about seven deep and that's it.
1: Exactly. I mean Kispert is your, is your is your senior out there, so a lot of experience. He was back on, he played with uh Hachimura and Clark back back when. Uh Suggs to me is gonna be the wild card. He 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 like you said, he has the ability to make or break that team. And I think as far as Suggs go, that's where Gonzaga goes. If Suggs has a terrific tournament, look for them to be in the final four. But if he slips up once in a while, uh, which he could do because it's gonna take five games in order to win this championship, you know, that's where I think that there's gonna be holes on top of there. But definitely a strong team. Strong team, and I agree with your points in regards to them being healthy in order to get through this tournament.
0: Okay, so on the top half of the bracket, you know, let's go with the uh the Gonzaga matchup, I think we all agree, one sixteen. It's going to be a, a, an easy one there. Mm-hmm. But in the 8-9 game, you have Oklahoma, Missouri. And then you also have the 5-12. Always an upset, typically, in the 5-12 matchup. Right. Is the Creighton-Santa Barbara one something that you see as a possible upset?
1: I see. I, I see that as an upset.
0: Okay, re- so you have Santa Barbara upsetting Creighton in the I, first I, round.
1: I have USCB beating beating Creighton for...
0: for for just the reason that it's five <laughs> yeah. twelve. I mean, Santa Barbara's had a great year. They come out of the Big West Conference. They're twenty two and four. Uh, Creighton's been up and down. You know, they they played well in the first the the tournament in the first round, and they got annihilated by Georgetown in the semifinals. So I, I I see it. I mean, I have Creighton advancing, but I totally get it with you going with Santa Barbara. So from that top section, I have advancing to the Sweet Sixteen. I'll have Gonzaga beating Missouri in round two. Mm-hmm. I'll have Creighton beating Virginia in round two, and I have Gonzaga and Creighton in my sweet 16 from wow. the top half of the West. Okay, yeah, I have it, uh, I have it a little
1: bit different uh, than you in, regard, in, in that regards. I mean, I have, uh, here, here's where we differ. I, I have Virginia advancing, okay, uh, in the Elite Eight over Gonzaga. So I have them as a final four. Virginia in the final four. Uh, sorry, not. Yeah, I have them in the final four, but I they're not going to get it. They're actually. I have in the elite eight. I have Virginia beating USC.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: I ha- I mean, I mean, I like USC. I like USC center, and I, I, I hearken back to the days when. I mean, this is going way back when uh, Danny Manning, uh, Danny Manning carried Kansas. I mean, I think he has that type of ability.
0: Wow. I mean that that is uh, that's surprising. But l- let's go to the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, as well, so in the bottom, you know, overall, I think what was really unique about this bracket is Gonzaga already played number two seed Iowa, number three seed Kansas, and number four seed Virginia this year. They've already played them, so I'm a little surprised that they were slotted in the same in, in the same conference. But on the bottom half, I see that USC game against whether it be Wichita or Drake being an unbelievable game. Mm-hmm. And where you have a belief in Evan Mobley, so do I. I actually have the winner of Wichita Drake knocking out USC in the first round. Wow. Wow. And then I have Kansas advancing. I have Oregon over VCU in a tight one. And unfortunately, because both of us have daughters attending Grand Canyon University. Mm-hmm. I was going to take them out in round one. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I think my daughter was very much excited, as I bet yours was, Yeah, you know, being... This is their first
0: tournament appearance ever Ever. yeah I mean their first time ever and it's probably going to be short-lived but at least they get that flight but they're going to have to deal with Luca Garza Grand Canyon does have a seven-foot center of their own the Wichita State transfer that does really really well but I'm not sure he can hang with Garza no and there's so much shooting with Iowa I actually have Iowa going all the way to the Elite Eight Mm -hmm. I have them uh, beating Kansas in the I have Kansas taking out Wichita or Drake winner and then I have Iowa beating Oregon and then I have Iowa beating Kansas and advancing to the Elite Eight against Gonzaga. I don't see Gonzaga losing to Virginia. Virginia has been kind of struggling down the stretch, and Gonzaga already beat them handily once. And I don't see Virginia having any chance to beat Gonzaga uh, in the second time around. Yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, they have played three out of the uh, out of these four teams that are 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 in this bra- bracket. But I have, I, it's my belief, at least, it's at least my uh, thought process that. That holds better for the team that loses. You get to uh, because you have success. You really, to me. You learn more from your mishaps than from your 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 wins. So I believe that that bodes well for the other. You know the three teams that lost to Gonzaga earlier this year, and that's that's why I choose Virginia over. Uh, you know, winning that winning that matchup. If both teams make it uh, that far within the. Within the tournament,
0: so you really have it as the wild, wild west. I you have Gonzaga out. You have USC as a six seed advancing to the elite eight against Virginia. So that means you have USC beating Kansas. Who do you have, and and beating Iowa? Is that how you see it? I I yeah. Iowa doesn't get past Oregon.
1: Wow. Doesn't get past Oregon and USC beats Oregon. That's that's how I see it. I, I Evan Mobley, like I said, is this year's Danny Manning. I just I just see it in that, but I don't think they get past uh, Virginia.
0: So you have Virginia in the Final Four. So I've got Gonzaga going to the Final Four out of the West. You've got Virginia going to the Final Four out of the West. I have a strong feeling that the uh, I I believe the Big Ten is by far the best conference uh, out there. But you like the Pac-12. I mean, you've got USC and Oregon going far in this in this area. Mm-hmm. You're a Pac-12 person. I'm a Big Twelve a Big Ten person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got Iowa and Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, and Gonzaga narrowly beating Iowa the second time around to advance to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm. you've got
0: Virginia there, I've got Gonzaga there. So let's jump down to the bottom. Number four overall seed is Michigan, the number one seed in the East. So let's right. go through the East, Ernie. What do you? What stands out to you so far uh, in the East?
1: Uh, on on the East side, I mean, I, I see Michigan dominating earlier uh, in the tournament. I just, be, you know, they are hurt. They have their top player out. But still, a very formidable team. As I scroll down the list, I mean, what surprises me, you have Georgetown at number 12. I have that as my second
0: 12 beating a five. You know, with that one, I agree. I mean, Georgetown's only 13 and 12, but they've really turned it around late. And they rode through the Big East tournament, Mm -hmm. just blowing everyone out. So they're obviously playing their best ball. And again... I am not a Pac-12 believer, so I have no problem with the number twelve Georgetown knocking out the highest-seeded Pac-12 team in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then again,
1: when you're talking about the highest seed, you know, I mean, you look just look at the conference tournaments. I mean, it's been crazy. I think more often than not, the 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 top teams in their conference championship games haven't been the regular season champions.
0: Right and that does happen especially in the big conferences because there's so much competition anyone can get hot and injury can knock your you know knock you out so i am a big big michigan fan mm-hmm. my two favorite teams are any complete disclosure to all our listeners are michigan and gonzaga gonzaga's my favorite team because my daughter went there just graduated there in december They've been in the NCAAs for 24 years. I think this is the year for them. They're my two favorite teams, but I do not have a feeling that Michigan is going to go to the Final Four. The loss of Isaiah Livers right right before the NCAA tournament is huge for them. I think you saw that in the Big Ten tournament against Ohio State. It changes everything because he's one of the guys that is the biggest communicator, a team captain, the best shooter on the team, so he helps spread the floor for Hunter Dickinson inside. Without livers on the floor, it changes everything. And it's much easier to defend them. So unless his stress fracture in his foot allows him to come back in a couple of weeks, I see them losing to Florida State and Florida State advancing. to the elite eight. Wow. If Livers does come back, then I think Michigan can make it to the elite eight. But I don't. I think it ends there. I don't think they make it to the final four.
1: Okay, I, I have Michigan making it to the elite eight, but however, I have them losing to Texas. I have Texas in the, the elite eight. Uh, they get there by in uh, by uh, in route of Alabama, the number two seed in 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 that uh, division, and they play Michigan for. Uh, the trip to the final four and I have Texas as my final four. Particip- wow. I, I mean
0: have- I mean that's uh, that's so you got a four seed coming out of the West in Virginia, three seed coming out of the east in Texas. Believe it or not, Ernie, I'm gonna disagree with you on the Texas side. I actually have them, as my biggest first round upset wow. in the entire tournament. Wow, I think Abilene Christian and their 23 and 4 record is a much better team than people realize. And I think they take out Texas in round one as a 14 beating a three. The, the matchup that I find the most interesting mm-hmm. first of all, it's Michigan State and UCLA in the play-in game. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was kind of surprising. So I think Michigan State will knock off UCLA. Then it's gonna be BYU and Michigan State. BYU gave Gonzaga all they could handle in the West Coast Championship game. And they looked really, really good in doing that. They go deep. I have BYU actually uh, beating Michigan State and Abilene Christian, and making it to the Sweet 16, where I think eventually they'll lose to Alabama, who's on fire right now.
1: Wow, that, that is crazy. Three beating a 14, but I guess that's not far off from a five beating a 12 on top of that. But I, ju- I, I mean, Abilene Christian, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know too much about Abilene Christian, but Texas, they got a complete team. I mean, their bigs are good. I mean, you're you're talking about uh, Coleman, who just came off that 30-point game, in, in, you know. I mean, he's showing a lot of promise. Their two bigs are strong. That's, I mean, Texas, Texas is formidable. And I believe a lot of people are just overlooking that team. Yeah, so, I mean,
0: and, and again, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Big Ten fan, but the Big 12 is the second strongest conference, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So anyone coming out of there, I think, you know, as we talked about off the air, I think all the Big Ten teams are tournament tested because they've been banging on each other all year. I agree. Same with the Big 12. They've been knocking each other off some teams get hot, then you knock each other off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I can see, I can understand you taking Texas. I just think Abilene Christian gets it done. And I think one of the things that, that we were following here is that typically when you start to get to conference tournaments, oftentimes in the smaller conferences, those one bid conferences, you often have upsets, a seven seed, an eight seed, a nine seed that ends up winning the tournament. And then they get waxed. But what happened this year is many of these one-bid conferences, like your Santa Barbara uh, in your West Coast uh, upset and Abilene Christian, many of the number one seeds won their conference tournament. So I think you're going to have stronger 14, 15, and 16-seeded teams this Mm -hmm. year because you're getting the best out of those conferences. True, true. Okay, so I've got Alabama in my final four as a two-seed. So out of the East, I've got... um, Alabama beating Michigan in the Elite Eight. Unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong there. And again, Gonzaga coming out of the West. So Gonzaga and Alabama is the one half of the bracket. And for you, it is?
1: It is Texas coming out of the East. And I have Virginia coming out of the West.
0: All right, Ernie. Next time, I think maybe you should stop drinking before you do your brackets. <laughs> but we'll go with that. We'll be right back after the break to review the South and the West. Other region. <laughs> Alright, Ernie, let's jump back in here. We're gonna cover. I know I draw a blank there for a little bit. We're gonna go south and we're gonna go Midwest right now, starting with the South. So jokingly, before the break, I told you you gotta stop drinking because of your wild, wild west <laughs> predictions. But I want to forewarn everybody: the South is for me where all things can happen. I mean, I have uh, a number of upsets in here, but let's start with you, Ernie. How do you see the South going? For the South, uh,
1: you know what? I'm going to stick with the ranking orders on top of this, at least from the on the top half with Baylor, Hartford. I have Baylor, uh, you know, beating Hartford. Obviously, I mean that's no big surprise. Even though I think the second uh, round matchup with North Carolina and Wisconsin will be a tough one. Baylor has so much depth; they have a ton of depth. And also, they gotta do is play like a team, which I think that they can do. And I believe that that can carry them. Unlike other teams, you know, Baylor has, I believe, from from the last test that I saw, six players who can shoot it from the outside. They can penetrate. I mean, they they have been hit by COVID. You know, they haven't been playing their best stretch of basketball, but during that stretch, that was against all ranked teams. I believe they, they played about four or five ranked teams in a row, you know, so... I Again,
0: mean, yeah. it's that Big 12. It's yeah. that gauntlet that is the Big 12 where every game is going to be a hard game. So, exactly. so what you're saying is you've got you got Baylor winning, you got North Carolina winning, you've got Villanova winning, you've got Purdue winning, and then in the next round going to the uh, advancing, you have Baylor knocking off North Carolina and Purdue knocking off Villanova. Is that where you're going?
1: I'm going Villanova over Purdue, and that's, okay. you know, a uh, five over four. I don't think that's any part of a stretch, but
0: basically that's what I got. So I got you, you've got Baylor and Villanova. Purdue and Villanova in your Sweet 16. In my Sweet 16. Okay, so let me go ahead and start educating everybody on what's going to happen here. Um, I am all over the place. I do have Baylor, of course, beating Hartford in round one, but in, in round two, I have Baylor being upset by North Carolina for the reasons that you kind of alluded to. I think Baylor peaked earlier since they've been back. They've struggled a little bit. And I think North Carolina has been playing their best ball. North Carolina has guards and they have bigs. And I think they're playing their best ball. I see North Carolina upsetting Baylor, our first number one seed to go out in the round of 32. Mm-hmm. Um And the upsets don't start there. I mean, Ernie, I'm just getting started with my drinking right now. Bring out the whiskey. It's all these shots that I'm starting to take. Bring out the whiskey. Winthrop, number 12, upsets Villanova Oh my God, that's a double shot. So I've got Winthrop (laughs) taking out Villanova. Villanova (laughs) is struggling. Um, Once they lost Gillespie, who's their All-American and the Big East Player of the Year, once they lost him, they're a completely different team. Winthrop is one of those teams that I alluded to when I'm talking about Abilene Christian. 23-1 23 and 1 on the year. 23 and 1. They've only lost one time, and that was to a big time school. I have them upsetting Villanova. I have Purdue beating North Texas. And I'm going to circle back again with Winthrop knocking out Purdue. Oh my goodness. I've got a 12 seed making it to the Sweet 16. So when you take a look at the top half of the South bracket, you've got 1 and 5 in terms of Baylor and Villanova. I've got eight and twelve in terms of North Carolina and Winthrop. So total I upsets. I think the South is going to be chaos. That is crazy. It could be. <laughs> it could be. But hey, you got one of these regions have got to be complete chaos. So no. let's look at the bottom half. Thing. Right. Who do? How do you see the bottom half? Okay, I not, have That a little bit more stable.
1: You know what? I okay, and that's where we differ. <laughs> that's where I kind of went. Not too. Not as much as Winthrop. You know. Uh, going all over but I really like I really like Texas Tech I think they've been playing very well you know we just saw Ohio State lose you know and they, they got I mean in, 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 during during that game I, I saw a lot of a lot of weaknesses in Ohio State you know so I you know it's just one game and that's not a precursor to the entire tournament people turn it on some people turn it off but I don't you know I, I see them winning two games but I have Texas Tech beating Utah State. Also beating out Arkansas to match up with Ohio State, and Texas Tech. Matching up with Baylor in the next round thereafter. So, so I have I, a
0: six. I have a six seed. Making it to the Sweet Sixteen. Making it, making it to the Elite Eight. Oh, the Elite Eight again. The Big Twelve. You're you're a fan of the Big Twelve there with Baylor and Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and that could be. I mean, I agree. I have Texas Tech not only beating Utah State but also taking out Arkansas mm-hmm. in the second round. Um, but I am a believer in the Big Ten. Again, Ohio State, I think they roll in game one over Oral Roberts. I have Virginia Tech taking out Florida, Ohio State beating Virginia Tech, and Ohio State taking out Texas to make it uh, a game against North Carolina to see who goes into the Final Four. I mean, Ohio State has a lot of weapons and right. they were playing really well they lost four games in a row down the stretch they turned it around in the tournament they ran out of gas in each game you know they had big leads in every game except today right today was the reverse they were down, down. big they yes. came all the way back they gave illinois all they can handle and as we get into the midwest in a little bit i think illinois is playing better than anyone in the whole country and ohio state almost took them out yeah. so i have ohio state Knocking off North Carolina and eventually making it to the Final Four. Yeah, I just see Ohio State. I mean, th-
1: yes, they came back, but I, I just don't see the fortitude. You know, yes, they almost beat. They should have beat Illinois, in my opinion, today. But you know, they, they, they were up. They were up. They, they allowed Illinois to score ten points in the last. Mid 10 seconds, I believe, you know, and that's not that's not championship basketball, in my opinion. That's letting that's letting t- uh, other basketball teams have a chance to beat you. So I do have them. That formula can work against the the children of the lesser gods as far as other teams are concerned. But when you come up against the big boys, that's where I, I, I feel that Ohio State will will, will falter.
0: Okay, so you have number one seed Baylor coming out of the South. I have number two seed Ohio State. So although my top half was all over the place in terms of upsets, I do have a two seed coming out. So I've got a number one in Gonzaga and two number twos so far Mm -hmm. in Iowa. um, Not Iowa. Two number twos in terms of Alabama and Ohio State. Leading us to the last bracket, the Midwest. How are you going? What do you see happening in the Midwest? With Midwest...
1: I believe just just sets up so perfectly for Illinois, so perfectly. I mean, they got Drexel in the first round, then they have a second round matchup. I mean, nothing against eight and nine, but Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech are in a match for for Illinois. I believe they cruised in their first two games. You know, uh, matching up with them on the lower on the lower brackets, they got Tennessee, Oregon State. Oregon State did win the Pac twelve. Okay, I you know, and I have them. I have that's a that's another one of my 512 upsets. I have them beating Tennessee, okay? But I have them, I have the next round matchup with Oklahoma beating Liberty. So when the Oregon State matches up against Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham is one of my favorite players. I love watching that guy, you know? I have him make uh, pushing uh, Oklahoma State to match up against Illinois. Illinois is just, from what I saw today, they're, they're, uh, they're just going to be on a roll, I believe, you know. So I have them actually coming out of the Midwest.
0: I would agree. I mean, like I said, I think Illinois has been playing the best ball of anyone. You have two All-Americans. You have Dosumu, who's a first-team All-American as a guard. He's averaging 26-6, and 20 points, 6 uh, 20.6 rebounds, 6 assists. But the, the key to that team, to me, is Kofi Cockburn, that gigantic center, mm-hmm. that man in the middle that cannot be moved. He looks like Shaq. He kind of plays like Shaq, not the skill level that Shaq had, but he's still developing. His improvement from last year to this year has been dramatic, and there has been no one that has been able to handle him. If you're going to beat Illinois, you need someone that's going to get him in foul trouble and get him out of the game, because if not, he's going to be a tough out. So I do have, have Illinois. Ernie, overall, I think the Midwest is, by top to bottom, the weakest of all four regions. I, I, I too, think Illinois rolls out of the top. I love Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. young team. Kate Cunningham is the highlight person from that team. Mm-hmm. That he gets all the headlines, but that whole team is playing really, really well. I actually was surprised they were a four seed. I thought they were going to be a little bit higher seed. I see them advancing to the Sweet 16 where eventually they'll lose to Illinois because, again, they have no one that can deal with Cockburn inside. Mm -hmm. On the bottom half, um, that really could be anyone. I mean, it could really be anyone. I think Houston is the weakest of the two seeds. Mm -hmm. Their record is good, but coming out of their conference, I'm not thoroughly impressed. Um, Clemson, Rutgers, anyone could win that game. West Virginia has struggled down the stretch, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Morehead State upset West Virginia, though I am picking West Virginia, and I'm surprised Syracuse got in. So I see San Diego State beating Syracuse, West Virginia advancing, West Virginia beating San Diego State, um, Houston getting there as well, and then West Virginia beating Houston. So it'll be Illinois and West Virginia in the Elite Eight, with Illinois advancing to the Final Four.
1: Yeah, I agree with most of your statements over there. Syracuse, in my opinion, just shouldn't have been in the tournament. They, sh- uh, they had a very tough time beating quality opponents. All their, all their, they, they beat the teams that they should have beat, but once they got put in uh, to play top-notch caliber teams, they they were out. And it wasn't even close, so... I have the same thing. San Diego State will demolish Syracuse. That's my lock of the week. San Diego State uh, will run into West Virginia. uh, More talented team, so I have West Virginia advancing out of that. Houston, I believe they just have, you know, they just have the the easier route. So I believe they're going to be matching up with West Virginia and beating West Virginia to match up with Illinois in the, you know, for that Elite particular bracket yes for that particular bracket
0: so again on the on the second half of the bracket you went with the number 1 seeds you've got number 1 Illinois mm-hmm. number 1 Baylor i also have number 1 Illinois number 2 Ohio state i get on the other side i have number 1 Gonzaga number 2 Alabama you have number 4 Virginia and number three, Texas. I think overall, Ernie, I think Gonzaga as the number one overall seed mm-hmm. has the hardest road. Yes. Because I do believe that, you know, Virginia as a four ACC regular season champ. Uh, Iowa, the fifth ranked team in the nation with the player of the year at number two. Kansas, a top 10 team playing lights out before they got bumped out of the Big 12 tournament because of COVID. And that's not to mention some of the other teams that we have in there, like your USC's, etc. So, mm-hmm. and Oregon, I think two of the best Pac-12 teams are in there as well. I see the West as being the most stacked, providing the biggest challenge to Gonzaga to get there. I think Illinois is benefiting from the weakest uh, in the Midwest. Right, right. And again, it comes with streaks. I mean,
1: there could be off nights when you're when you're playing a, uh, in a tournament format where it's one and done. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And there's that old adage, the college try. Anything can happen. You got 15 seeds beating number two seeds. You know, I don't think a 16 has ever beaten a one. If, no, in, not if, yet. You know, but yeah. it's
0: starting to get closer and closer. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's scary. And if it's
0: going to happen
1: in any year, this is the
0: year. It could be I mean again you eliminate all home court advantages everyone is playing under the same circumstances in the same building with the same baskets uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting yeah. so final four we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and cover who it is that we're gonna make it into the championship game so let's start first with West versus East. who do you have going between Virginia and Texas Virginia and Texas I like Texas. I re I
1: really like Texas I mean again they have a pretty balanced team They they are bi- pretty much known for their their big man and that's not that's not excluding them from this this year's edition also you know I just love the way they play I mean they play good dominant uh basketball from the interior their defense is always well played you know I I, I like how uh Sims one of their the, their centers have been playing again Matt Coleman has been lights out as of As of late, he had that 30-point game in the tournament. I have Texas, you know, advancing to the championship game.
0: Okay, so over there, I've got Gonzaga beating Alabama. I think that'll be a high-scoring, super fun game to watch in the Final Four. I think it'll be a game where Gonzaga scores 100, Alabama probably 85, 100 to 85. I think Gonzaga lights up Alabama to get into the championship game where I think they'll play the fighting Illini of Illinois. I think Illinois will win the rematch against Ohio State. Um, This will be the third time that they played this year and Illinois has won one of one and I think Ohio State won one earlier in the year. I could be wrong with that but I just think Illinois is playing better than anyone else in the country. I see the final as number one Gonzaga and number one Illinois in the championship game. What do you see happening in your uh, South Midwest bracket?
1: Well, I have Baylor versus Illinois. I just see Baylor uh, coming out of that region, uh, just from a, from a flying standpoint. I mean, Baylor just has too many weapons. I know the big concern about them is basically their, their, their COVID, uh, incident earlier in the season, but they're just too deep. They're too deep. Somebody has an off night, another can pick up. They, they can, they can go, they can easily go six, seven deep and not flinch. Not too many teams can do that. I mean, if they even get half their team shooting, I, again, these are guys who can shoot it way beyond the arc, you know. And if they pull out Illinois' big men, they can penetrate. And they are tough. These guys can body up in the, uh, down in the paint, and they can, they, they can put you all over the place. And that's where I got Baylor uh,
0: advancing.
1: Coming out of that uh, matchup.
0: So you've got a big 12 championship with Texas versus Baylor uh, in the championship game. I've got Illinois versus Gonzaga. I mean, early on in the year, it was clear at the time that it was a Gonzaga-Baylor-NCA. They look so much better than everyone else. And then Gonzaga got into conference. I think complacency kicks in a little bit. They're rolling through everybody. Mm-hmm. They want every they've not won I think almost 40 games in a row by double digits. Wow. you know so it's not that they're just winning, they're annihilating everybody. So I think that factored into their play. Can they get back what they had at the beginning of the year where they rolled Iowa, Kansas, West Virginia, Auburn and everyone and Virginia mm-hmm. um, Can they get back to that? or are you gonna go with the team that has been playing best now, which is Illinois? I am going with Gonzaga. I think they go 32-0. I think they win their first ever national championship. I think they do that. They cut down the nets in a super close, amazing championship game. I got Gonzaga 88, Illinois 86. Wow. Coach New will love you. Because I know
1: he's been wanting that for a while now.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've been close for so many years. And I think this year they've been focused... They have the experience, Corey Kispert decided to come back. They have Nepar transferred in from Florida. They have Timmy who in his second year, they have their the experience and then they have Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. And I think on that particular day, I think Suggs will be the difference mm-hmm. and they pull it out by, by two. In a game that's gonna be an amazing game. I think Gonzaga, Illinois are the two best teams in the country and I don't think it's that close right now. Mm-hmm. I really think they've separated themselves over the way that they've played Gonzaga over the course of the year in Illinois recently, so I see that as a as a championship game with Gonzaga cutting it down thirty two and zero Ernie first wow. time since nineteen seventy six.
1: That would that would that would that would be amazing. That would be amazing.
0: So who do you think wins Baylor Texas? <laughs> uh,
1: you know what I've I, I like I like both teams I like both teams but in the end I you know when it comes down to it this this is gonna be a blowout this is gonna be a blowout and I just see the Baylor shooters just getting hot, you know, it's, I I just, I see Baylor taking,
0: well, you got All-American Jared Butler, you've got Mitchell, one of the best two-way guards, I I can see that happening, I think if it gets down to Baylor uh, and Texas, it's not a good matchup, I think Baylor handles Texas pretty easily, Um, too bad I have them going out in the round (laughs) of 32, (laughs) So if you have Baylor winning the national championship and we're in any kind of a money-based pool here, I'd be so out. But I'm going to tell everybody right now, guys, if you guys want to make a lot of money, if you're going to Vegas or you have access 2 Team Parlay, Abilene Christian over Texas oh and Winthrop goodness. over Villanova, your odds have got to be tremendous. 2 Team Parlay, take that one to the bank and make <laughs> yourself some money, buy yourself a house. Make sure it's money you can lose. okay do not bet the mortgage all right gang we were recording this literally a half an hour after the brackets came out but i think that's what makes it fun it's the first thing that pops into your mind what is the first thing that you see if we go through this tomorrow certainly on wednesday when we have time to pour into this and analyze every single thing. Maybe it changes, yes. but I still think Ernie is crazy, and there's no way that his his 64 teams are going to play out the way it is. And I think if you had to choose between Ernie's and mine, you always go with mine. It's the safer way to play you know, it. We, uh,
1: you know what? We, have, we, we, we chose this, and we printed it out in our brackets, so let's save the brackets, and maybe we can revisit this in two weeks.
0: All right. Well, we'll revisit it right after Abilene Christian knocks out Texas. All right, gang, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Dak Prescott finally the Cowboys and Dak come to an agreement we'll be right back all right Ernie as much fun as it was to talk March Madness we cannot go a week without talking about the NFL Mm -hmm. as we're recording this tomorrow free agency starts the negotiating period starts tomorrow where people can start negotiating with free agents from other teams. You can't sign them until the league uh, season begins, which is on Thursday. Teams have until Wednesday to get down under the salary cap. So my Rams have got a lot of work to do. We're still 24 million Mm -hmm. over the cap. But a couple of other things that happened today, Drew Brees did officially retire. He did announce today that he's retiring and in a surprising move, a really surprising move, after he announces his retirement, the Saints signed Tayshawn Hill to a four-year $140 million extension. That's $35 million a year for somebody who's been there every every type of back.
1: That's crazy. That is that's either foolish or genius.
0: We'll just say that. It's yeah. very foolish or one hell of a genius move. And that's surprising. I mean, they must have worked out some things on the back end because the Saints are the worst. Uh, In terms of the cap situation, they have to get $30 million back under the cap. But they really believe in Hill. Clearly, they believe in Hill to put that kind of an investment into him. That means Jameis Winston is done in New Orleans. It's interesting to see where he's going to end up. But let's talk Dak. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You thought it was the Cowboys at fault in this whole dragging out for almost three years. I thought Dak was to blame. Who do you think won the contract? So we already covered that. But at the end of the day, the contract has been signed. Who comes out the winner? Is it the Cowboys as a winner or is it Dak?
1: No, there is no way the, the Cowboys won the contract. I mean, it, it's an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, the guarantee alone is record-breaking. So uh, Dak Prescott definitely won in that regard. I mean, it's for four years, incredible amount of money, terrific signing bonus. Dak
0: won every which way you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think on the surface, I think that's what it really looks like. Dak got everything he wanted. He's the second highest paid player in the game. He's got his $160 million. He had the largest signing bonus. He's going to make $75 million this year right. in cash. Uh, his, his contract is guaranteed for $126 million. So I think he definitely wins in terms of the dollars in the contract. Mm-hmm. I think when you look back to what the original agreement was last year, where the Cowboys had thought they had Zach, uh, Dak agreeing to a five-year $190 million contract. At the end of the day, this is kind of what it came out to because they paid him $30 million last year, mm-hmm. which would have been year one. And now it's four years and 160. million. So essentially, it's the same five years and $190 million that they thought they agreed to last year. But I think the reason why Dak does win this is he's getting everything that he wanted per se, the dollar amounts may be the same if the Cowboys signed them last year or this year, but I think he gets to say, I'm the highest paid player, I had the biggest guarantee, I had the biggest signing bonus, no one has ever made $75 million in a year. So from that perspective, I I think Dak can say that he won the contract, um, but I don't know. What does this do to the Cowboys? No. You now have $40 million tied up in Dak. Now, the really part that the Cowboys win, and this is the one part that I think that the Cowboys did win in this situation. The fact that they signed Dak to a four-year contract, which is actually a six-year contract with two voidable years on the backside, they're able to prorate his signing bonus over six years, meaning that his cap hit, if he signed the franchise tag would have been $37 million. Now it's only $22 million. Mm-hmm. So they do save $15 million in year one that they can now use to strengthen the rest of their team. That's the only thing that Dallas wins. But going forward, you now have a $40 million quarterback, a $16 million running back for the next five years, a $21 million wide receiver, a $22 million defensive end in Demarcus Lawrence, mm-hmm. and the highest paid offensive line with Tyron Smith and Zach Martin mm-hmm. anchoring that. How do the Cowboys improve when they're so much money or tied up in five or six players? Exactly. I mean, that's. I mean, you hit it. You hit it on the
1: spot. But I. I really don't think we're, it, it's where the Cowboys win. I. I still think it's a wait and see. Does Does Dak play up to his, his contract? You know, if he does, then the Cowboys are have to renegotiate those final two years. If they keep him on, on, on a on a on a on a good trade, then that's good you know if they 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 can get value back at the end of a contract on a trade but if he if the only way they win is if Dak doesn't outperform his his contract then that's where i see okay let's get rid of dak you know we have the final two years avoidable you know and and you know they can move on from there but if dak plays like dak has the potential to play it might not be a win
0: It might not be a win. And that could be. And that's where where I'm concerned. Because I don't think that Dak has really proved that he's good enough to carry a team. Dallas has not lived up to expectations for the first four years. Mm -hmm. I think people really give him credit for that year one. When he came in as a rookie... When all he really did is manage the game. They're Zeke's team and that offensive line's team. But since then, I mean, his record the last two years has been atrocious. And although he got hurt this year, they were 1-4 in four before he got hurt. And that one win was the miracle against Atlanta when they were down like 28-6. to six. Mm-hmm. And then they somehow, Atlanta touches the ball on the onside kick, gives Dallas an opportunity to win. So... He hasn't been winning the games. I don't see this strengthening the Cowboys in the long run. Something's going to have to give. Dead money's going to be somewhere. They're going to have to either get rid of Amari Cooper, get rid of Ezekiel Elliott. Um, or or somehow get rid of their offensive linemen. right? Because right. there is no way you can pay everyone with the salary cap coming down for the next year or two.
1: I agree. I agree. The salaries have been uh, skyrocketing, and there's gonna the Piper's gonna have to be paid. Yeah, you know.
0: And and this kind of leads me into my closing thought. I mean, this this week it's my turn. I don't have like any any controversial or any type of of uh, closing thought like that. But I just wanted to talk quarterbacks in general. Okay. My frustration and what really bothers me is that since when is there a thought that if the next person becomes a free agent, they have to automatically be the highest paid player? That doesn't happen in any other profession. Mm-hmm. I mean, we both come from the business world. Right. When I hire somebody, you know, maybe you've got to hire them at what the market rate is but you don't necessarily every time somebody comes in i have to pay them more than the people that i already have right. it doesn't work that way so why is that how it is in the nfl where if, if it's my the word there and everybody says pay the guy mm-hmm. you got to pay the guy the payroll with the market will bear now where i do agree is if somebody's willing to pay you that then you're going to get paid that. Then right. the market is bearing that out. It's like real estate. Exactly. We can complain that the houses are a million dollars each, but if somebody's willing to pay a million and one, that's what the market bears and mm-hmm. that's what you're going to have to pay. My thing is at some point as a as an owner, this is a team, a sport where you have a finite amount of dollars that you have to spread out amongst everybody. Mm-hmm. You have to populate a team of 53 players with a salary cap. It's not like real estate. It's not like business where there is unlimited funds that you can spend on your workers or on real estate. There's a finite amount of money here. So at some point you have to decide what is the recipe for winning Super Bowls. And that's what I think is happening right now is we've lost focus on team concepts in general. And we've become so much more focused on the me, me, me of the individual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that's frustrating for me. One of the things that I heard ad nauseum when it came to Dak's contract, coming from Dak's side, coming from the Shannon Sharps of the world, and from many others who are advocating for Dak, and I don't have any problem with Dak getting his money. If somebody's willing to pay it, he'll get it. Mm-hmm. But what really irritates me is that the, the term, it's not about money. Ernie, it's not about money, it's about respect. Well, what defines respect? You know, what is defined the definition of what they mean by respect if it has nothing to do with money? I can respect you and give you ten million dollars less. Right. I can respect you and give you ten million dollars less. So I can use that ten million dollars to get you the best offensive line I could possibly have mm-hmm. to make sure that you're set up for success. Mm-hmm. The definition of respect in their eyes right now is pay me the more money than anyone else. Mm -hmm. If you respect me, you have to pay me more than everybody else. If you don't pay me more than everybody else, then you don't give me the respect that I deserve. And I completely disagree with that. And I think you're seeing that. You saw Patrick Mahomes. His contract didn't even start yet. His extension, his 12-year $450 million extension, didn't even start yet. Mm -hmm. And he's already restructuring it. Right. He's restructuring it because what did Kansas City have to do this week? They had to cut his left tackle. Fisher, mm-hmm. they had to cut his right tackle, Schwartz, mm-hmm. and we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. No matter how good Patrick Mahomes was, mm-hmm. without the offensive line, he was pummeled and they got humiliated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. You can see that that's the recipe. Tom Brady already agreed to uh, an extension, a restructuring of his deal. They added three more voidable years to Tom Brady, freeing up $19 million. So what did they do with that? They re-signed Levante David. They go ahead and franchise Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're going to be able to sign Shaq Barrett to a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. So again, there's two different ways. So as an owner, what is your goal? Your goal has got to be to win a championship. Right. As a player, what is your goal? And that's where I think there's some polarity in people's thinking. Mm-hmm. I think in this case with Dak, in this particular case, and it's not just Dak, mm-hmm. but it's Dak in this case, it's I want the most possible money. Give me my money and I'll figure out a way to hopefully we can win. Mm-hmm. They couldn't win with Dak when he was making $600,000 a year. How are they gonna win with Dak when he's making $40 million a year? True. I don't see that happening. Right. I don't see that happening. So what's the recipe for success right now, is young quarterbacks on their rookie deals, mm-hmm. building a solid team. And when are these owners and when are these players that really are concerned about winning? Because at the end of the day, Ernie, Taze, uh, Hill signs for four years, $140 million. Dak signs for four years, $160 million. $5 million a year. When you're making $35 million a year in a state that has no income tax, does that extra $5 million really matter? Or is it more important for you to get a better offensive line so you can win and be protected mm-hmm. so you don't have catastrophic injury again? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, what is the better thing to do mm-hmm. to make the team strong so that you can make money um, in endorsements, in success, build your legacy? Or do you just want to be a temporary highest paid? Mm-hmm. How did that work for Jared Goff? How did that work out for Carson Wentz? It didn't. Yeah. And their teams are paying for it and they individually are paying for it as well. Mm-hmm. So I just think it frustrates me to hear these people me, 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 pay me the most, pay me the most. And to hear, you know, the people in the sports world, a lot of the media people saying, pay the guy, pay the guy, pay the guy, give him their money, give them their money, give him their money, respect them. And I'm saying at the end of the day, my job as an owner, as a general manager, is to win a Super Bowl. Right. My goal is not to respect you by giving you 20 to 25% of my total team's money mm-hmm. because what happens there is I'm disrespecting the rest of my team. Yeah, could be. So my way to respect you is to give you $40 million and I, because I'm giving you $40 I I now have to disrespect Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. and cut him. Mm-hmm. I have to disrespect Amari Cooper and cut him like mm-hmm. the Rams had to do with Gurley and Cooks last year. You know, So by respecting one, you're forced to disrespect others and hard to build chemistry that way. It so is. I think Patrick Mahomes saw it Clearly, oh my goodness, my contract didn't even start yet. I'm going to give some of that back because I need my team to be stronger or else I'm not going to make it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so that's my closing thought, Ernie. I was frustrated by hearing that respect does not necessarily have to be dollars. There's many ways to define respect, and it's not money is everything.
1: Right. I mean, good good, good ideological thoughts on top of that. But, you know, unfortunately, we're not the owners and the players don't have that same mindset. I mean, it, it, it's all going to come down to how can I not just take care of myself, but, you know, the next generation of my family, the, the next, next generation of my family, you know, it, it just, it just comes down to that, you know, and, and the unfortunate part of all of this is, is a lot of this money has to do with the ordinary people, because we're the ones who, who watched these sports and brought them to the new level, every owner out there has made millions and billions billions of dollars just based upon the appreciation...
0: Of their franchises yeah and if there were no salary cap right like in other sports like in baseball there's no salary cap if you want to pay mookie betts 40 million dollars a year if the dodgers who i love and the Dodgers are going to repeat as well as i digress but they don't want to sign trevor bauer to 35 million and 40 million dollars a year as a pitcher mm-hmm. when they don't really need him because they already have six knock yourself out but in a sport that has a salary cap like the nba does and the nfl does where you need to build a team in order to be successful. And the NFL differs from the NBA, because in the NBA, you can have LeBron and AD and surround them with the little sisters of the poor and still have a chance to win a title. In the NFL, you can't have a $40 million quarterback and a $30 million running back and expect to win a championship, because you need to pay more people. Right, And, and that's what makes it really, really
1: difficult. It, do- it does, and that's where I, that's why I love the NFL, because that's where I think it has the most parity. I mean, it's not just the same teams over and over. Yes. Yes, they'll have their runs, but the how how they fit themselves within that salary cap concept is where they're going to find it very, very difficult to make those long runs. I mean, we saw it uh, when Seattle had the Legion of Boom. I thought that was going to be, I think I spoke about that in a podcast earlier, where they were going to run off four or five, you know, and then, and then the s- contracts started to expire, and look what happened to them. They're fighting their way back, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned. Uh the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. are are having to do that, but you know what? That's just the that's the way it is. I see your frustration, unfortunately. the 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 economics of the whole situation. We need we need an arbitrator on the fan side, in my opinion. Because all this amounts to, to to
0: to tell you the truth? Is higher, higher ticket, ticket prices? prices. Yeah, I, t- I know a and, lot of this is yes. is is TV driven and the TV contracts that continually come up will bump the salary cap up. And again, don't get me wrong. You know, to all our listeners, I'm not banging on Dak. I'm more banging on the owners. I'm more banging on Jerry Jones for giving in and giving to one when you have a team to build. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we want a strong team. We want to be able to pay everybody a little bit. And 20 years ago, Ernie, 30 years ago, when we were younger and Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan was there playing for your Steelers, I I get it. The the contracts at that time were nothing nothing. like they are now. So having to sign a long-term or being more selfish Mm -hmm. at that time made more sense because you want to take care of your family. Now, when on the downside you're going to get 140 million dollars and on the upside, you're going to get 160, and then four years from now you're gonna get another 160, mm-hmm. I have no sympathy for somebody who's going to make two, three, four hundred million dollars for themselves when I rather win championships. And that's where you may not like Tom Brady as a person, but I do respect that he has seven championships, mm-hmm. and that's because he prioritizes that. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault that he has a rich wife, but it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, he's made enough money without Giselle for his kids and their kids for generations to come. True. So it's not that a yeah. hundred million dollars is more than enough. What could me and you do with a hundred million dollars? I mean, I mean, we could eat. We could go out to eat somewhere. <laughs> I, mean, I hope we do more than that. Well, we would take that $100 million and we'd put half of it on Winthrop and Abilene Christian. And then we'd be billionaires. And we could go ahead and be in the, in, the, in the areas of the Teslas of the world. Anyway, I digress, people. That was just me venting. venting. I just believe that it's better to have an equitable distribution of income throughout the team so that the teams can be better. I'm tired of hearing people say respect is only derived by how much they're paid. That's not how you respect people. I respect people every day. I respect my workers before. And it's not because of how much money they make. It's because of the person that they are. So Mm -hmm. that's it. But today is all about March Madness. What a fun day talking about March Madness. It is my absolute fun, most fun time of the year. I've been waiting for this show all week long, counting down the days, counting down the times at 12 o'clock, six o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock, uh, three o'clock in Pacific and 12 o'clock in Hawaii till this came out. It's gonna be exciting. It starts on Friday with the main tournament. The first four starts on Wednesday. And what's weird Ernie at this time, there are four replacement teams. Mm-hmm. So if one of the number one seeds yes. go out and the one of the replacement teams come in, they'll take their slot as the number one overall seed exactly. if it was Gonzaga. Yeah. So it's kind of an amazing situation. Right. But the big action starts on Friday. Everyone's going to be calling in sick on Friday and then again on Monday. No one's going to go to work this weekend as we all are glued to March Madness waiting to see Winthrop and Abilene Christian <laughs> win their first two games. What are your... Yeah, I, You know what I would really
1: like to hear or what I'd really like to see is is our listening audience's opinion on top of this. This is going to be... This is going to be, it's very interesting. Like Monty said earlier, I mean, this was, our, our thought process was within a half an hour of them actually coming out with the, the matchup. So, I mean, let us know your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, let us know your thoughts. Uh, hit us up on social media again, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us who you believe your final four will be, who your champion is going to be. Um, and then maybe you're drinking like Ernie was when he did his. <laughs>
1: Bring on the wish cage.
0: There you go. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we'll see you guys next week on the Sports Rivals. Together, we'll make this the fastest growing podcast in the United States. Until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.